0: Developing vaccines has been critical to fighting the pandemic, but it doesn't happen without the right equipment. Today, we meet a New Hampshire entrepreneur whose company keeps labs stocked with the right supplies they need and who has been growing his company into an international business. Hello, I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine.
1: And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH.
0: So, Nathan, we've got the holiday seasons upon us. Oh, don't remind me. I mean, yes, we do. I'm so excited. I am excited. <laughs> I'm all, you know me, I'm all about shiny. I mean, this is my, uh-huh. this is my season uh-huh. coming up, you yeah. know? This is why we don't wa-
1: have video with the podcast, because you're so shiny all the
0: time. I know. People <laughs> can't handle the glow. No,
1: no. <laughs> um, do you, speaking of the holidays... Um, we both have kids. So, and of course, our, our listeners are like, oh, they're going to tell us about their families. Nah, maybe not too much, but we'll talk about, a little bit about the holidays. Um, yeah. So, we, I, you know, holiday traditions, things like that. I grew up celebrating Christmas and I now celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. Uh, dun, dun, dun.
0: I do as well. Do you? I, we do. Oh, my God. It's breaking right here. My on brother. Podcast my sister got married and, and, uh, to my fabulous brother-in-law who brought in two great, a, a nephew and niece for me, and uh, they're Jewish. And so we have, for the last few years, had the pleasure of learning more about Hanukkah and celebrating. It's been awesome.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, we. It's funny. We don't have a lot of... Yeah, Hanukkah traditions per se. There's things that we do, of course, um, but the one that I, when we were thinking about, oh, it's what are we going to chat about today? I, I was thinking about holiday traditions, and the first thing I thought about was when I was um, when I was a kid, we would do what I call popcorn and cranberries. Mm-hmm. So you like string it on a string, you pop it, string it with like I don't know, eight inches of, cran- of popcorn, and then like a few cranberries. Oh, my God. I would, like, prick my finger every time, and I hated it eventually because I was like, oh, we have to do this again. <laughs> there's, like, 20 yards of this to fit around this tree. Like, why do I have to be the one that does this? We did it
0: once. Yeah. <laughs> and See, then my parents' dog ate the popcorn off the tree. There's <laughs> there's that. There's that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. See, for us, it's uh, Christmas Eve. You get to open one present, which in my family inevitably leads to, like, three. You know, like, oh, open that one it's a, it's small, got the, one. It's it's got a small one it's the pajamas we want you to wear tonight yeah. oh okay so and uh, you know and then you know we do just you know, us and the kids in the morning. And then we all pack up and we're off to the folks. Uh, you know, my sister comes over and all that. And it's great. And you know, you try and start organized, you know, like we're each going to watch each right. one. And yeah, then it, no. it just becomes a melee. No. You're like, right. you're just trying to keep and then track of the it. All the gifts
1: get buried under all of the gift wraps. Yes.
0: And my right. mother's then the last one to open up her gifts because she's been too busy handing things out. And exactly. Take a break. Yeah. So. I make the,
1: I, you know, <laughs> try to make the kids hand things out. That was always my job as a kid is like, all right, you get in the middle and hand things out to people and then you go back and, you know, open your pile. Exactly. <laughs> well,
0: And as much as I love Christmas, I have to say I was made for Hanukkah. I was ooh. not aware it was all fried food. I'm like, oh, come this, on. Yes. this is yes. my feast. Uh, yeah. You're gonna give me jelly donuts yeah. at the beginning? Yeah. Are you kidding me?
1: There's a very quick synopsis of most Jewish holidays. And that is, uh, we were persecuted, we escaped, let's eat. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, okay, well, there was this bad thing, but we've got this feast, so let's go. I like it. You know, work through it. Let's go. Um, I'm hoping that the whole, you know, gift buying thing this year, we're talking presents, um, doesn't become a debacle with yes. supply chain issues. The grandparents to... have
0: already gone into panic mode at my house. Oh, I, we've had to give lists already. Mm-hmm. They need to get the gifts in yeah, already. Right. Get it done before Thanksgiving. You never know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my
1: God. It's going to be. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Hey, speaking of supply chain, should we introduce this week's guest? I think we do. Okay. All right. Our guest this week is Tom Taylor, president and CEO of Salem-based Fox Life Sciences, a manufacturer and supplier of single-use biotech equipment. This family-owned business, which launched in 2008, has grown sales 40% annually for eight of the past nine years and boasts 100 employees and customers in more than 30 countries. That's amazing, Tom. Welcome. We're so pleased to have you. Ah, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Great, great. Um, so we kind of mentioned it, you know, a few times as to the, what you're doing, but Fox manufactures equipment that I think, frankly, the average person may not think about, um, but the stuff that you're manufacturing and working with really could save lives uh, as it's as it's used in, in its everyday use. Um, tell us a little bit more about what Fox manufacturers. Sure, so uh, the
2: fact of the matter is that's one of the main purposes of the company, um, and all the employees are aware of that. The products that we do produce, um, the focus is about saving people's lives. So we have two divisions. We have a laboratory division, which focuses on research uh, products that you see typically in university labs, college labs, uh, pharmaceutical, biotech companies. And then we have our bioprocess division, which focuses in on what's called single-use technology around uh, biotech and pharma production. And uh, that is super hot, really taking off. Um, and what's happened is over the past 100 years, pharmaceutical companies have manufactured mainly with stainless steel systems. So very similar to what you'd see in a brewery or a food processing plant with big uh, bioreactors, stainless steel with piping and all kinds of uh, that type of setup versus today, is you know when you go to a hospital and you get an IV set, uh, it's plug and play. Uh, very similar now with pharmaceutical companies, they're going to what's called uh, these bioreactor, disposable bioreactors, and then all of the type of sampling and uh, inputs that go into those systems are what's called single-use technology, and we're the manufacturer of those. And those all come double-bagged, sterilized, ready to go, the pharmaceutical plugs and plays, and the benefit and why the transition to this technology is all around cost. Number one, it's, it's much uh, less cost than obviously operating and building out a stainless steel setup. But more importantly, contamination control. So you don't have to worry about cleaning every pipe and doing everything perfect. Uh, the product comes in already sterilized, ready to go, and you're off to the races. So there's a big increase in this type of uh, production now with pharmaceutical and biotech companies. Interesting.
0: Wow. I am always fascinated by the journey, right? Like, yeah. how do people get to where they are? <laughs> so, how how did you end up going? I'm going to start a company where I'm going to serve. Sort of supply all the beakers and everything else that these labs need. How do you get there? Give us the 60-second life story here.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So it really starts all the way back in high school. I was in the National Honor Society. Our job was to bring in uh, universities and clubs. And uh, we brought in a group called Junior Achievement, and General Motors sponsored it. I actually joined that club. I thought it was very interesting. And we ended up making aluminum hangers and selling them. And uh, believe it or not, we sold a ton of them. And wow. Uh right in high school, I said, well, someday I've got to start a company. I, this is a lot easier yeah. than I thought, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Entrepreneur so, in the making. So then uh, my father was uh, in uh, the automotive industry for 43 years in senior management. And uh, he had me watch The Graduate one night with Dustin Hoffman. I'm sure some of your audience knows that movie. And <laughs> in that movie, the uncle puts his hand on Dustin Hoffman's shoulder and says, plastics. Plastics is the future. So. He convinced me to go get a plastics engineering degree, and that's exactly what I did. Back then, there was only two schools in the entire country: there was Lowell Institute of Technology, which is UMass Lowell today, and Ferris State University, which was a polytech school up in Michigan. And that was a unique school because it was sponsored by GM, Chevy, or GM and Ford and Chrysler and Mm -hmm. Dow and Dow Corning, and all these guys needed more plastics people, right? And uh, so they built uh, this beautiful uh, building and uh, went to school for plastics engineering. So when I came out, believe it or not, in college, I did a plan for my company. My middle name was Fox. And I called it Fox International Plastics. And the cool part of that plan was I typed it all out back in the 80s on a brother typewriter. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, yeah. And and I basically said, I'm going to start the company by the year 2010. And I have that exact plan still framed in my office in Salem, New Hampshire. So in 2008, I basically gave up my president's role at a, at a big company and started the company. Unfortunately for me, it was the wrong time. Oh. We had the Great Recession, <laughs> yeah. so oh, things yeah. really uh, started to fall apart. I saved up money my whole career to try to build this company and quickly burned through a lot of it. And uh, so I ended up needing a partner. and. Uh, uh, some more uh, funding and uh, at that time unfortunately you know private equity didn't want to help out there was no money there Uh, investment bankers weren't interested the banks all wanted two years worth of financials and nobody was willing to take a risk so I literally went door-to-door trying to find other people to invest in this thing after putting a ton of money into it and uh, finally uh, luckily I was chairman of Uh, MassMedic, which is about 350 medical device companies, and they said, you need to go out to Michigan. There's a group out there called the Spark Group, and they're investing in life sciences and clean energy. Right on. So I actually flew out to Michigan. I met with this gentleman named Snyder, who was the former CEO from Compact, who was heading up this group to invest in Michigan, part of the Pure Michigan campaign. And I met with him, and he goes, you should go meet Jack Roush. And uh, and I was like, Jack Roush. He's like, yeah, Jack Roush. You know, NASCAR, he's on TV yeah, every yeah. Sunday. And uh, he's actually partners now with John Henry, your primary owner of Boston Red Sox, back out where you live in Boston. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so one thing led to another, and I didn't even take it seriously to begin with. I mean, these guys are all celebrities. And uh, one thing led to another. I flew out to Michigan a couple of weeks after that meeting. And met with Jack and his team, and uh, they actually accused me of playing hard to get. So. <laughs> and, oh, you! And uh, <laughs> One thing led to another, and we actually created a joint venture, and they became the majority owner. They put five million dollars in on day one, and uh, what was great about that, we changed the name of the company to Roush Life Sciences, and I became. It was a joint venture. I became the minority owner, but what was great about that story and very unique was the fact that Jack, you know, had over. Five hundred million dollars in sales, but they were also being impacted big time by the automotive downturn, right? So GM filed, Chrysler filed, and uh, that was a tough time for Detroit. And the the crazy part of that was is they were all about diversification. So we had basically had one building, one building out of the thirty buildings in this big company. Where they dedicated to mold building, and uh, and that was for me being a plastics guy I was like this is perfect. These are a great partner to do a joint venture with. But Jack came to me and said, you know, you're the chitty chitty bang bang of plastic product development. That's all I've heard. He goes, design <laughs> as many products as you can, and I will build the tools at material cost. So that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity all, all, all in after five years. Uh, we built over $12 million worth of tooling and uh, created all of these original plastic products for the company. The good news for me, and at the time, um, and this, this is a great message to your audience, is, is I really thought it was going to be one of the worst times of my life because they decided to sell their shares in 2012 because the automotive industry took off. Everything was doing great for them, and many of the tier one suppliers were bankrupt, so they had all this extra business. And uh, so we had two big players, I won't mention them, that were interested in their shares. That negotiation went on and on and on, and it lasted about six months. And then finally, Jack got so frustrated and upset, he goes, Tom, I'm selling my shares to you. You started the company. You love the company. You work hard. Now go beat those big guys, because I can't deal with
1: them. Oh, my God. And
2: uh, I got the shares at half price. And uh, the good news is, at the end of this year, we'll actually finish eight years of royalty payments on top of all of the other money that... uh, I, that i put in to buy their shares so it's uh, such
0: a great success yeah, right? it's an incredible all, story i, I, I want to say i love that you know dustin's hoffman character in the graduate <laughs> basically learns i should ruin a wedding and you're like plastics yeah <laughs> you know i love it what you get from a certain <laughs> situation i right? do want to back up a little bit in yeah, the story yeah though. i mean it's such a great story but i mean that has a lot of adversity to face right up front yeah and um especially when you're you know, new venture and you're burning through cash and the economy's tanking, a lot of people would have gone, I'm out. Yep. Like, oh, yep. apparently this was a bad idea. What kept you going? What? Why did you believe that this was something you could pull off? People ask me
2: all the time, you know, what does it take to start a business or what do you think is, why do you think you were successful? And honestly, the truth is so much of it is your upbringing, right? So I grew up outside of Detroit and it was a tough area and i also grew up with parents that were very had a huge work ethic right and every single day in the winter time my dad would say after school you get out there and Go uh, knock on doors to shovel driveways, and that's how you made money. And yep. in the summertime, go knock on doors and mow lawns. I don't know how much of your audience has had anybody knock on their doors lately to, <laughs> <laughs> to ask there if
1: they're they probably not mowing lawns. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah,
2: but no. that's how you grew up, and yeah. and um, so you always had to deal with adversity. Uh, and you know, and I remember my father constantly, you know, never be a quitter. Don't quit. And once you have that as part of your foundation and your psyche and you're, you know, you really focus in on your dream, you you just can't give up. And that's the message to anybody starting a new business. So many fail, but don't do it unless you're totally determined to go all in, never give up, and just push through whatever you know you're up against. You just gotta keep plowing forward. And I can tell you. You know, as successful as Fox has been, and just to, to correct the intro there, we're about <sighs> nine out of 10 years, oh, each year yeah. over 40%. We like that. And this year will be our 10th year out of the past 11. We're right now projected to do over 75% growth. And oh, we have wow. three factories over 140,000 square feet. And, you know, if you flip back to 2014, there was only five of us and myself. So it just shows you just can never quit. But even with that success that we've had, even today, you still have to handle all the challenges and, and everything you're up against, the competition, running a company, having all the resources, the people, the supply chain. It just it's it just never ends it's a it's a tough battle yeah. so yeah
1: well i'm I'm was smiling especially a little as you're telling your story just because it's a, it's an awesome story um, and, and so much has, has obviously so much good has come from it and you've got great tips for for you know business people out there. Um, I was smiling too when I watched there's a great video on your website of kind of an overview of your company and what I loved is that a lot of the um, employees were interviewed. And of course, they all look happy and they all have this great message and all of that. So um, it seems like it's an awesome place to work. But what is it like to work there? Um, And and say maybe what would your employees say the reason um, that they stick around for this growing company?
2: Yeah, again, I'd have to give some credit to my parents, especially my father. He was in management for years and he always expressed the importance of people and how important people are to building anything, and uh, and with his success, he grew up in a little bitty town. He actually had an outhouse uh, out back. Believe oh, it or not, it's that, that story. small of a town. Right on. it's that story. It's right? that climbed uphill. Yeah, both, both ways <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> through feet of snow. Uh-huh. But in he said he grew yeah. up. He grew up by Mackinac <laughs> Island, way in northern oh, wow. Michigan, on a farm, yeah. and uh, it was all about hard work and. In any case, he always drilled down the fact that it's all about people. So when we started Fox, that was one of our main mottos: is that uh, people are the most important asset. And our goal every single year has been to always update the benefits, to have better benefits. Uh, it's uh, that's on everything as far as time off. Uh, but you know we just had our halloween party and it was great cuz we have a, probably about another 25 new employees and so many people came up after and they were like this was just fantastic but every year since we started fox we have christmas parties halloween parties we do two or three picnics every year we try to have open houses like we did this year and we try to make the people a big part of it and quite honestly it's the truth i mean without the people you have nothing So I think if you were to ask an employee, they're very empowered. I have what's called proposal-based management. So every employee, if there's something they want to do, they put it into a proposal, and they they send it up for approval, and they're running it. And that's That's kind of the way we've run the company. And think about it. We started with nothing, zero, Mm -hmm. and all the systems and the procedures, and we've been ISO 1345, which is medical device registered for 11 years, is just truly remarkable for a company like ours. Um, So for this remarkable company, why New Hampshire? So New Hampshire, I fell in love with. I was was actually working for right out of college. Uh, My mom was, you know, this is the mom part of it. She uh, was uh, graduated from University of Michigan, did extremely well in school, and became a nurse, a registered nurse. And she loved medical. And she was constantly, Tom, forget automotive. It's all about medical. It's all about medical. So I actually, out of college, joined a company called Galman Sciences, which ended up being Paul and P-A-L-L. It was a New York-based company, and uh, and ran their medical business and actually got the MBA and but the opportunity uh, that came about was as I was doing all the product development, and then they had this situation with Eli Lilly down in Indianapolis. I went down there and fixed their problem, and the vice, the vice president of the company said, You should be in sales. You're not like the normal engineer. <laughs> he goes, You actually talk, and you were like it was perfect. You made him so happy. And I said, "Oh, I can never do that. My mom would kill me."
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, sure enough,
2: there was an East Coast uh, medical device sales position that was very technical, and uh, it led. It worked really well with my engineering degree. So, I actually, this may sound super corny to everyone, but it was the truth. I I had uh, one magazine that I uh, that I received was Money Magazine. And uh, it was back in 1989, 90-ish timeframe, and they have the ranking for best places to live. And Nashua, New Hampshire uh-huh. was ranked number one yeah. in the nation. So <laughs> I knew nothing about the East Coast. And I said, well, if Nashua is number one in the nation, that's good enough for me. They ended up winning it two years. But mm-hmm. in any case, so I moved to Nashua right down the street from where our podcast is today. and, and uh and uh, I absolutely fell in love with New Hampshire and have never left since the early 90s there. And uh, it's been, you know, the skiing and the outdoors and, you know, you're close to the ocean and you're close to Boston. You can get to New York in four hours and live free, you know, the, the whole the whole. Everything about it, the no sales tax, the no state income tax, the you know, no helmets, no seat belts, no <laughs> you know, deposits on cans. And we tell everybody we do that, we do have we do a lot of recruiting around that because mm-hmm. I think the quality of life in New Hampshire is just amazing. I've been to eighty eight countries, been to forty nine states, and I can tell you New Hampshire's still my favorite. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Now, it's very apparent from you know listening to you that family has played such an important role not only in your life but you know in your your business success, and this is a family-owned business and family-led business. Can you talk about who from the family is working in the business and talk about how that contributes to the success of it? and how you kind of keep <laughs> family and business in check. You yeah, know, that, I knew you were going that, there, too. That Thanksgiving and, th- and Christmas uh, tables are, are peaceful. Yep.
2: Yep. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and uh, I was fortunate enough uh, that in my first marriage, uh, I had uh, a great son and a, a wonderful daughter. And I think it was a big part of their success in their career. Both of them came to work at a very young age at Fox. So my daughter actually started at 14. We had to fill out all the special paperwork. Oh yeah, right. And we were still Roush then, Uh and uh, so we got, you know, it was Jack Roush that had to give his personal approval to let a 14-year-old work at the company, (laughs) and he did. And uh, my son worked there also. And what was great was is that, truthfully, I was nervous about it a little bit, but the truth is, is when you're at work. It's all, it's everybody is doing what they're doing. And, you know, everybody got along fantastic. There was never an issue. And we had boyfriends and girlfriends and friends uh. of the kids. And, and uh, so, you know, and when we started, we had no money. So we were trying to train everybody on everything. And my son actually did IT, he did finance. <laughs> he did, you know, we all had two or three roles. That's the other thing, by the way. If you're starting a company, get ready to do, do a little all. bit of everything yeah. <laughs> when you start. And uh, so, and they both worked there. I don't know for five, six years, and uh, both got their degrees. And now, you know, my son's out in LA, and my daughter's out in Salt Lake City, and they they, they've really done well for themselves. And uh, I think it was great for them at a very early age to get all of that experience. And then my wife today is just a fantastic story. She came over from Italy ten years ago. Uh, has her master's degree in uh, the biopharmaceutical manufacturing in this area that we're focused on. And she was working in the lab. She was doing all kinds of uh, great research out in California. and um, we put a position out there for sales, and she was, you know wanted to get outside of the out of the lab. And she took the role. and uh, the next thing led to, you know her being one of our top salespeople for, uh, for the past five years, she's been with the company over six and a half, and uh, we've been married over two years and uh, together that entire time. And she's been a big part of everything that's in all these clean rooms that we're producing, and now she has a whole team under her. And just to, you know, what's unique about it is she still has her boss, and uh, who we're fortunate to have, uh, uh, somebody that's been in the industry 40 years running the whole global sales and marketing so she has her boss, and the cool thing is, we go to work every day, and once again, it, 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 there's no issue. It works perfect. And in <laughs> it Italy, could. it's very different. Her father owns two companies, and uh, you know, family businesses are very common in Italy. And uh, so, you know, it's just been a tremendous effort. And it's funny, sometimes there'll be. It'll be nine o'clock at night and I'll be like, how come you're not spending any time with me? You know? And she's like, I'm working on Fox. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, wait a minute. good, good point.
0: <laughs> now, now that Should is... I be doing
1: something too? Oh my God. Yeah, right. that, is like, like reversal, right? <laughs> that is an interesting way to hang on. reversal, right?
0: That is an interesting way to hold on to your best salesperson yeah, is to marry yeah. them, right? That's right. right. Oh, <laughs> we used boy. to do
2: that as a joke, but uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And then people started wondering if we were serious. <laughs> but no, that's great.
1: Yeah. Um, You founded the company on five key principles. Do you want to talk a little bit about those?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, for us, everybody, you know, you've seen a lot of mission statements and purpose and these things, but a lot of people talk the talk, but they don't really walk the walk. And I think what really separates us from most companies is that we're really up against the big guys. I mean, there is no longer... Anyone our size in this space, they've all been acquired and uh, we've been the holdouts. We haven't taken the money and run. Uh, I would say about six, seven years ago, we had probably 15, 20 competitors and uh, almost all of them have been acquired by the big guys. So we compete against Thermo, which is you know around 30 billion, Sanko Bain, which is around 40 billion, Corning, all the company, Advantor, Danaher, Those are our key competitors, and these guys are monsters. And what's happened with all of these acquisitions is Fox is really the only family company left, and we're still at a size where we can move really quick and do a lot of great things. And that's part of our culture, if you will. And we always, uh, one. uh, it wasn't that long ago, I took every employee in the company, and during working hours, during working hours, Everyone got paid to watch a full-featured Hollywood movie called Ford versus Ferrari. And it was all about Ford not being able to beat Ferrari despite their size and bringing in Shelby and Carroll Shelby to pull it off and actually do a great job. So we've always called, nicknamed ourselves the Shelby of the life science industry. So it's all about performance and speed and everything else. So when you look at those principles, you know one of the key principles right out of the gate is innovation. So when you're big, these big companies basically acquire now to, to, to get the innovation. So they're, you know, they're, they're actually doing acquisitions of companies like Fox to get that. But at Fox, um, the fact of the matter is is every single year, part of our culture is to actually develop new products. And it's, it's almost like it's a must. And, uh, and what's unique about the new products we try to establish products that don't exist anywhere else in the world, and we have tons of those, and, um, and it's got to be frustrating for the big guys because they just see Fox just keep coming out, coming out, and it's like this relentless pursuit of innovation. So obviously, innovation is one of the big ones there, and we really, really push that hard, and uh, it's been a big part of the company's success, to be quite honest with you. They're watching you. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously, the people side of it, we've talked about a little bit already. But we really believe in that. Uh, you know, the, uh, That's such a huge piece of the culture and making sure that everyone feels a part of it. And we have bragging rights there. We, we actually, all the way up until, I would say, the last two years, over 70% of the company were millennial, millennials, so under 35 years old. That's almost impossible to find. And while everyone was criticizing millennials, we were actually highlighting you know, how successful we were with them. And I think part of the reason we were was because they were very stimulated, very empowered, and always had tons of activities going on. So the fact of the matter is, when you came to Fox, there's nobody sitting around. It's no country club, right? We work hard. We play hard. But you know, if you come in straight out of college, you know, your very first week, you have two projects and you're expected to deliver. So they get really tied and attached. And then when you have that culture of so many young people, it just builds on themselves. So we actually had employees that left Fox and took some of their dream jobs and and then ended up coming back to Fox because they they missed the culture and and that companionship and also that speed and that you know all that action if you will it's it's very different than a uh, a typical company
0: well speaking of action yeah uh, (laughs) the the company was you know at a really interesting growth phase right before the pandemic can you talk a bit a little about how you were expanding internationally and then talk about March of 2020 hits and yeah. the world comes to that halt? What were the challenges that you faced and how did you get through them and what were the opportunities you found?
2: Yeah, it's a, it was a, a very scary time. Let's be honest, right? We were all like, what's going to happen? You know, how is this going to uh, affect the company? Um, and we were still, you know, when you're still a smaller company, you're still fragile to a certain extent, right? So you don't have the deep pockets of a, a big company that can go months without activity. So for us, um, we knew we had to move quickly back to the Shelby yeah. <laughs> scenario. But the, um, And we said, you know, luckily, I had traveled a lot throughout my career, um, spent a lot of time in Asia. So I got a lot of feedback on this Uh, virus early on. Uh, Both my wife and I always followed viruses and were very interested in this side of it. So when this came down in China, we were very concerned it was going to spread globally and uh, be a pandemic. Um, So as part of that, we actually put together a plan once again uh, to uh, buy temperature control gauges and masks and all this other stuff. And we put a protocol in at Fox uh, weeks before any other company that i'm aware of and we even work with the state to help them with protocols and things of that nature but we started selling masks even and uh we i had tractor trailer loads of masks coming in and everyone thought i was absolutely crazy (laughs) even my employees and um and the fact of the matter is amazon was out of masks and fox life sciences had masks we donated a lot of masks we uh we sold them but more importantly um, once the state, uh, you know, we, we didn't want to shut down because a lot of our disposables were going towards this farm and biotech industry, and we knew that they were going to need more of that. So um, the truth is, is that Fox never shut down production one single day through this entire COVID crisis, um, which is pretty remarkable. But every single day from the beginning, uh, through March there and, and all the way up to the summer, we took temperature gauges, everybody had to wear a mask, we had the full protocol in place, and uh, we, we were just smart about it and and did a really great job.
0: And the business saw kind of, uh, you know, part of it was really impacted negatively and another took off. Can you talk about yeah, what that was like?
2: Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, so everyone was like, wow, you know, Fox is doing so well. and I'm, We were like, well, really, it's not the case. On our laboratory division, As everyone's aware, universities, colleges, these these were all shut down. So that business dropped about 30%. And on our bioprocess business, we got a ton of new activity, obviously from the big companies that are manufacturing the vaccines, that they needed support with the disposables. And luckily we were set up really well to move quickly again and get them what they needed. But then in addition, we had a third income stream, and that was the state reached out to us in the university system. Um, they were in trouble. They weren't sure they could open up the university systems, uh, UNH and the rest of them um, in the fall, and they were looking for COVID test kits. We had never manufactured them before, uh, but we signed up and said we could get it to them in a time frame that nobody else could get it to them to open up the university system. Here in new hampshire we actually made over six hundred thousand test kits and i can honestly say every single person in the company including myself were at tables doing the assembly and you know we had 60 people making these test kits because we had to get them done within a four to five week period so that they could pull this off when they decided they were going to go for it and it was a great success story. UNH uh, and you know uh, the rest at Plymouth State and Keene, mm-hmm. everybody were on our, our test kits and it and they opened up successfully. And you know New Hampshire was kind of a model there for a short period of time with the rest of the country. And uh, just a great university system we have. Some great leadership there at UNH and the state also. I mean, I'm super proud of our state. And you know people talk about politicians a lot. But I, I have to tell you, with, with the governor and Senator Shaheen and the rest of the team and Cynthia and all the other people with the state, mm-hmm. we, we're very, very lucky to have the team that we have in place. I, I honestly are. feel that we that's one of, another one of our big advantages.
1: Right. They're focused in the right direction. So, well, before we let you go, we want to know what's next for Fox Life Sciences.
2: So we just completed, um, and we actually started it before uh, <laughs> this whole COVID thing. So we were very fortunate. Uh, we expanded from Salem into a new facility. Uh, we, ke- we kept the Salem facility, so that's still going great. And we have clean rooms there where we're manufacturing this product. We have a brand new facility in Londonderry, and that's been a huge success, uh, almost 100,000 square feet, th- uh, four new manufacturing rooms, three clean rooms. We had a big open house there this year we had uh, you know the governor came and uh, seven guest speakers and all the who's who Uh, it was really a fantastic event and then we opened our facility in Hyderabad India and uh, everyone thought we were kind of crazy on doing that too like what (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh, so that plant has been a big success and in fact we just completed all the clean rooms there and we're helping out Asia right now with all of their vaccine disposable uh, requirements so we have all three factories up and running and uh, the company continues to grow and now it's a lot of execution and just making sure that we stick to all the things that made fox great from day one you know people are the most important assets uh you know making sure we keep the culture one of the cool things in india is we do all the same stuff we do in the united states and uh you know they're it's they they're loving it and You know, we also try to pay more. We just raised our minimum wage on all workers by $5 an hour. So if you come to Fox, even if you're straight off the street and you go and work in one of the manufacturing or the warehouse, you know, you're going to start at $18, $19 an hour plus 25 days paid off uh, and you get your birthday. Off at Fox. So Ooh, we do, we, we try to do all these <laughs> benefits that the big companies can't do. So. Nice, nice. <laughs> That's, wow. Yeah, it's Tom, a fantastic place to this work. This is, at.
1: I thank you for sharing so much with us about your success and the success of the company and your employees. Um, you're nimble, you're forward thinking, you're making a difference around the world. You are Tom Taylor, President and CEO of Fox Life Sciences. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks so much, guys. You guys got a great. Uh, podcast. And uh, I'm a big follower of you and your team. And uh, I'm just super happy to be here today. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Tom. And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. Let's talk about what businesses are buzzing about this week. Fox Life Sciences isn't the only New Hampshire family-owned business succeeding. In our August issue, Business New Hampshire Magazine compiled its annual list of the top family-owned businesses in New Hampshire. The 119 companies on this year's list generated about $29.9 billion in revenue in 2020, and in Employ nearly 24,699 full-time workers. That's more than more than 8,000 of whom work in New Hampshire, and they also employ over 3,000 part-timers and seasonal workers. And these family businesses have staying power. The average number of years the companies on the list have been in business is 46. With 36% of the businesses making it to a second generation of family ownership, 10% to a third generation, 9% to a fourth generation. 25 to a fifth, and yes, even 1.7% of them are sixth-generation business. In other news, the worker shortage has put employees in the driver's seat, and now is the time to ask for that raise. Business.org found only 21% of Americans have asked for a raise in the last year, and that waiting to ask for a raise can cost workers get this over $1 million in lifetime pay. Asking for a 5% raise every two years instead of every five years can help you earn up to $0.1 million or more over your career. And most Americans, 73% are only comfortable asking for a 12% increase or below, while 22% are willing to ask for only a 3 to 5% raise, which usually only covers the cost of living increase. So it pays to ask, and now's that time. And that's what we're buzzing about this week.
1: Welcome to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. Let's talk marketing. This is not a pop quiz, Matt,
0: but what is marketing? Ooh, well, I mean, it's letting people know about your brand and about you.
1: It is. You're right. It's your story. It's your brand, in quotes, right? Because that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, It's the way you tell your story. It's the action of selling or promoting, right? That's sort of a definition, I think, from the American Marketing Association to be totally formal, um, but that's what it is. So there. let's talk from the sense of marketing services, right? There's a lot of people out there who will say, oh, I do marketing. I'm using those quotes again. I do marketing. Well, what do you do, right? So there's varying degrees of that. Maybe they are a branding specialist. Maybe they're gonna build your brand for you. Uh, maybe they're a web designer. A graphic designer, they're in video production, audio production. That's a wink to Mike Clark from Clark Creative. E-commerce, photography, maybe they do market research, right? Social media creation and management. Um, it's certainly a creative role in many ways, uh, though much of it can be based around data and information too, right? Um, so quick story on the creation of, and this is why I said earlier that sort of like brand in quotes and do marketing in quotes, because when Cardinal was created, the person that created my logo is an old college friend of mine who is not a graphic designer, but wanted to dabble in graphic design. I said to him, I'm starting a company called Cardinal Consulting. He created the logo. The logo we have today is the very first iteration that he sent me. He's not a professional. I didn't pay him thousands of dollars to do this. He did it out of the goodness of his heart. He's in my network. It looks great. I love it. I've also been through a professional branding process, right, with the brand. So we know our colors. We know our, what we say and what we don't say. And you know, that the NH in Cardinal Consulting, NH in our website is, is capitalized, you know, stuff like that. So we're creating our brand, but it can be done in so many different ways, right? So all of that is to really say that the small business owner may not yet be at the point where you need to, or you can hire, you can afford really to hire a full service marketing firm, but your network is inevitably full of people who do marketing. There's those quotes again, right? Tap into your network of talent, put them to work for you, for your brand, for your story, have them help you market your business. That's it for today. Thanks for joining me in the expertly branded Cardinal Corner. Find more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com or on social
0: at Cardinal Consulting NH. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Maury, And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH
1: is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.